Hello, and welcome to Miss Genealogy, the podcast, where my number one goal is to get you fired up about family history. Times have changed, and family history isn't just for your grandma. You can sneak it into your everyday life, and the blessings far outweigh any sacrifice, I promise. This podcast is all about connecting to your family, both past and present, and I am so glad that you're here. Just a quick announcement before we jump into the podcast today. I have some really exciting news. I have been working really hard behind the scenes to bring some awesome content to you, and I am finally ready to announce it. So if you are interested, I am releasing some online, an online course, one to begin with, and you can find it at my website, missgenealogy.com. All of the information is there. It's basically everything I know, (laughs) all wrapped into one amazing course. I teach you lots of great tips and tricks on researching and finding the photos and stories of your ancestors. And then I also teach you how to create really amazing family history chapbooks to tell the stories of your ancestors and they make incredible gifts. So if you are interested, I will put the link in the show notes. You can check them out at Miss genealogy.com. And I'm just so grateful for your support and thankful that you are here. I love bringing this podcast to you. So enjoy the interview. Hey, you guys, welcome to this week's episode of Miss Genealogy. I am so excited to introduce you to my guest today. I have my dear friend, Krista Horton. And we've been friends for I was trying to remember Krista, how long we've known each other. It's been like five years, I want to say, but yeah, like, let's see. Four or five, maybe? Yeah, it's been a long time. So yeah. I, I'm i just so excited to have Krista on the show today. And she, I always love talking to her because she's full of so many amazing insights. So Krista, thank you for coming on the show. And can you just take a minute and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Um, like, I, like Jesse said, my name's Krista Horton. And I am grateful to be here. Jesse and I have um, met through our husbands, who are both seminary teachers, and um, we get the benefit of that they like to hang out, so we get to hang out too. Um, <laughs> in that, I just, yeah, I I don't really feel worthy to be on here because I, I am <laughs> really quite the um, historian, but I do, um, I think my love for family history is a little different. Un- maybe not unconventional, but um, I didn't think for a long time that it was family history, a love for family history. I Mm -hmm. um, always loved to take pictures and I worked at our local scrapbook store growing up and I have like my entire life cataloged in my, (laughs) my family makes fun of me for, but because it takes up like our whole closet. (laughs) I just, I have always just had that desire to um, record things and get things Mm -hmm. down. Looking back now, I'm like, Hey, I have always kind of had that, you know, that idea of preservation and loving pictures and loving memories in that way. So anyway, besides that, I, um, I'm married to my awesome husband and we have four kids. Our oldest is almost eight down to one. And, um, I have, I guess other than that, I, I have worked with the small seed, which, you know, some of your listeners might know about and worked there for mm-hmm. about three years now. Um, 
And then my husband and I earlier this year just started a podcast called The Scripture Study Project. And, and it's amazing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's kind of just our way of like, we're kind of nerds in that way of, and I won't even call it nerds because I don't like when people say that kind of stuff is nerdy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, we just have always loved um, the scriptures. And I think that's why I, you know, as Jesse and I were talking, like family history is the scriptures. And I think that's why I, we just kind of got talking about this and thought, hey, maybe I should be, maybe, well, I, maybe I volunteered myself. I don't remember, Jesse. Did I? <laughs> Either way, I, I wanted you on, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, you know, I was, I gave a talk in, um, in church on family history, like last October or something. And um, the quote, it was from President Eyring that I mm. loved. It says, families are the best way to preserve and pass on moral virtues and true principles that are most likely to lead us back to God's presence. Mm. Just feel like um, that's the scriptures. You know, they're they're preserved, they're passed down, they're stories of faith. They're these things that um, give us so much guidance to to our lives and help us rely on our faith even more when we read these amazing stories of faith in the scriptures. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel that as we, as I read the scriptures and in our podcast, and that was kind of one of the reasons, um, or something I was just thinking about in one of our last episodes was just about this. I thought, oh, what good timing to, to record this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, you talked a little bit about your scripture study project podcast, which I will definitely link in the show notes so that people can go check it out because it's so good. Thank you. But I would love to hear just a little bit about, yeah, maybe just that process of, or what you've learned from doing that podcast and then how that, you know, what you've learned through the scriptures and preserving records and all of that stuff that is bundled into family history. So, yeah, well, I think the first one was, I just remember as a missionary, one of the first things that my um, mission president taught us was about, um, you know, one of his things that he came and told the missionaries about was the attempts of Nephi and his brothers to go and get the plates from Laban. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, I, I have ever since just thought of that story a little differently as you think about um, just the effort that they went to, to obtain those plates and how important Mm -hmm. God that they go and get those plates because he knew that they needed those records of faith and of prophecies of Jesus Christ. And, um, and since then, you know, there's been a few times, I mean, there it's all throughout the scriptures really, but one note, and this was one of the last episodes that we recorded, um, was in Alma five. And we all know Alma five, the, you know, have you, do you have his image in your countenance and all those questions that he's asking these people in mm-hmm. and he starts out that first part of that sermon um, here. I'm, I'll just read a little bit of it in verse five and six. The first questions that he asks are, and, and now behold, I say unto you, my brethren, you that belong to this church, have you sufficiently retained in remembrance the captivity of your father's? Yea, and have sufficiently mm. retained in remembrance his mercy and long suffering towards him. Um, so all these things about remembrance, have you remembered that they have that he has delivered their souls from hell? 
Which isn't that interesting. I hadn't thought of that just barely till we just read it. But the first thing he says, do you remember their captivity? And I know mm-hmm. it's telling like the good sides of story, the story, but also like telling our hearts and our struggles. Um, because yeah. so much his strength is gained from that, right? When you hear that someone else struggled in your same way, that's um, that just brings so much power in to your heart. Don't you feel like that? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. I totally agree. And so also to show both sides of what, what we're feeling, like even in the scripture. So I just love those questions. And I love that that's what he started out with. I had never noticed that before. And just mm-hmm. of like, of like standing on the shoulders of these people of faith and really being able to build on what experiences they've had. I think that's what the scriptures are all about anyway. Yeah, I love that. And I actually just reread first Nephi or, you know, the, where Nephi goes and gets the plates and he goes through all of that process of going to Laban. And, you know, you see, I just thought it was so interesting. Like you pointed out, your mission president talked about the, just how important that was to Nephi to go and get the plates so that they could read and have the records of their fathers. And so I think, yeah, it's just, it's such a important thing that has been important for a really, really, really long time. Yeah. <laughs> and you think about, I mean, in the Bible too, the Bible has been passed down and there's just these stories that are so important. And I think there's a lot to learn from the scriptures in recording our own personal experiences that we have. So, yeah, I think it can kind of make the scriptures a little more relatable for all of us too. When we think of them as like, Hey, these are records of people that just wanted to record these experiences that they had with God because they saw that they felt like, I mean, it's a lot of the prophets from the book of Mormon and I'm sure the prophets in the, I'm sure there's stuff in the old Testament too, about Mm -hmm. like why they recorded, like we're recording this so that our children may know that verse in second Nephi 25, 26, we're recording Mm -hmm. that our children will know to whom they can look for remission of their sins. They are looking ahead to say, we want this to be recorded and we want people to see it. And the power it has as they look forward and realize the, the importance that it has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another thing that I've just thought of is how sometimes, you know, you read in the scriptures, even the prophets will say, I don't really know why I'm recording this, but I'm going to do it anyways. Yeah. <laughs> and I think for us, sometimes it's hard to have that, um, the shift in thinking that someone is actually going to read this one day and that I'm going to have a posterity. And these stories that I am living right now are they could be really impactful for my future, you know, my, the generations to follow me. And so I think it's just interesting that they even went through that a long time ago and now we are benefiting so much. So if we can just kind of put ourselves in their shoes and realize that our stories and the things that we go through are really important as well. So yeah, yeah lots of good stuff. Yeah. That kind of reminds me, I, um, or that reminds me of another part of this, that I mentioned to you, Jesse, about um, my grandma. She was she passed away when I was um, in middle school, and I just love her. Um, she was just, mm-hmm. just an amazing woman, and I always have thought often of her. Like, if I had known her as an adult, like what would what would it be like to be talking to her and 
luckily I married into my husband's family who has two amazing grandmas that are still living. I kind of feel like I just adopted myself into them too, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, what speaking of, you know, for futures, like she was, she was a poet and she wrote down a lot of things and we, we do have a lot of her stuff, um, specifically some of her writings, but it was a few years ago, my aunt put together a book of her love poems to my grandpa. And Oh my gosh. Yeah. Amazing. She gave them um, to all of us. And it was a few years after I had had, and so my aunt bound them together and gave them to all of the grandkids and all of the kids. And Mm -hmm. I kind of just put it to side. I didn't really think much of it. Um, Like, Oh, that's cool. Cause my aunt Mm -hmm. was like that. But, um, it was, it was right after I'd had, I think my second baby. And I was just kind of, you know, in that funk that you get sometimes after you have a baby. And for some reason I mm-hmm. read this book and I began to read through these poems and here she was writing poems to my grandpa when they were like, like one of them's called five years, you know, after they'd been married five years and these mm. so beautiful there's one of her that's called waiting that she's talking about. She says, I used to sleep on my stomach. Now, six months along, I can't <laughs> night the protest first on one side, then the other knees up, knees down alongside. And can't you sleep, honey? And then she tells the story of one day they went to the beach and, and he, Oh, I'm just going to read some of it. Cause it's so cute. Yeah. Yeah. You need to <laughs> says, can't you sleep, honey. And I'll just read the rest. One day we went to the beach. He scooped a hole in the sand for my stomach. Such bliss. Why did you me? I needed a license to pat your fanny. Come on. <laughs> Those worried brown eyes and large bony feet sent me a message. Be serious. Mother of my child, I am serious. I wanted to scoop holes in the sand for your stomach. Okay, I can't read that without crying. Oh. <laughs> I think like hearing her words in this way... Um, and she has some, just some beautiful poems and to feel that, like, to feel that side of my grandparents' relationship, right. As, mm-hmm. oh my goodness. Like, and I felt so relatable here. I was, you know, just having a baby and, you know, still kind of in those like young and in love. Well, I, I guess, you know, just <laughs> you, felt, you felt like you were like knew her, you know, like I felt like she was a friend of mine that. I don't know. I just felt this powerful connection with her reading through these. And it was just another one of those moments where I was like, oh, we need to write things down. This mm-hmm. awesome. And I don't know. She probably, I mean, these were just to my grandpa yet. Here it is years later having this really powerful effect on, on my life too. Yeah, that is so powerful. And especially it hits close to home because I am two weeks out from having a baby. So I think, oh, that really is like to think of sleeping on my stomach is that just is very blissful. So and isn't that fun? Like that you think like as your grandma, you don't really think of her as like a young pregnant mom that uh-huh. that's just adoring her. Like that's just not what you think of. And so it's just fun to be like, hey, I relate to that. Like my husband did that. Like we have a love like your love, and it made this link that mm-hmm. is so special for me. Oh, that's awesome. So, How many poems are there? Um you know, there's, there's a good number of them. And then there's one in here that he wrote to her. Hmm. I mean, there's about 20 or 30 poems. Okay. Over 50 years of marriage. So it's just a compilation of all 
all of their poems. Yeah, that's awesome. That's cool too to think she used her gift of poetry. She she loved to write in general, but she loved poetry, and she mm-hmm. used of poetry to to preserve. You know, it's like using her own personal gifts to carry on a a legacy for herself. Yeah, I think that's been one of the biggest takeaways for me of doing this podcast is talking to so many people and realizing that we are all given so many different strengths and talents and that's the way it's supposed to be. That makes the world unique and amazing and yeah. but we can we can use all of those talents no matter what they are. We can I think that God can inspire us and help us to turn those into ways to preserve our story and I just think it's incredible. So yeah, that was another quick story of something similar. Cause I'm thinking that's true. Like my, um, my husband's grandpa, we ended up doing this, like, I don't know, it was probably over about a year where every month or every other month we would have his grandparents down for dinner. Mm-hmm. And afterward we would record them talking. And we originally started doing this because my, my husband's grandpa was the, t- the architect for the church for for years around when President Hinckley was um, president of the church. Mm, that's cool. So just a cool job. But um, my husband was going to write his th- master's thesis on something about the temples. And so that's what oh, okay. it was like a, an assignment, you know, like that was uh-huh. us to do it. And he ended up not even doing that for his thesis. But those that time we spent with his grandparents and the records that we have and also the connection that my husband made with his grandpa during that time is so precious still us to to us still he mm-hmm. he passed away a few years ago and my he wanted my husband to speak at his funeral and because i really felt like i think that he felt so connected and felt like he even said to my husband like you're the one that knows the most about me right now mm-hmm. and <laughs> like there's been a few times since then that my husband's really felt his his presence when he's been having a hard time or when he's been praying for, you know, extra help. And we just really feel that that those times that we spent with them doing that was, is why we're, we feel so connected to him. So yeah, that's yeah I think different ways you can make that work. I know. And it's so powerful. And I love that you guys have that chance. And I think there's so many of us that have living relatives that are still alive who we could make, you know, set aside some time once a month or once every other month to either call or Skype or do whatever, have them over to our house for dinner. Yeah. And it creates such a special bond. And then I also think that, you know, so many times in the church, we talk about how there's power on both sides of the veil. So I think if anyone out there is feeling like I missed my chance on connecting with my, you know, my family while they were alive, I think reading up on the stories of our ancestors can connect us just like those poems from your grandma, you know, you didn't know her super well in this life, but now you feel really connected to her. And so I think it's just beautiful how we can have opportunities both ways to connect to our family. So, so true. So you introduced me to a book. Now I'm forgetting the title of it, but I remember the author is Ben Sass. And and then there's also this amazing um, talk by Amy Harris, who's a professor at BYU. And they kind of relate. They're very, I feel like they're interchangeable. They talk about a lot of the same things. So one of the um, 
so yeah, I'm, I would love your insights on both of those, the book and the talk and all of that good stuff. Yeah. So, well, I think if there's, if you've been around me in like the last six months, I've probably, chances are I've talked to some, pretty much everyone about this Ben Sass book <laughs> by a friend. Um, it's called the vanishing American adult. And he talks, you know, he has five different sections, but one of those sections is, um, kind of that loss of being, being around and learning from other generations that we've kind of, mm-hmm. you know, we go to school with the same age people and we go to, we do activities with people our same age and that we're missing out on a lot of those, the rich blessings that come and the, that come from being around people from different generations and learning from them. Right. And, um, which, so that's just worth it just to say, read that book. But, um, uh-huh. <laughs> the insights he shares there were really powerful for me. Um, and then I think, Jesse, did you recommend that talk to me? I'm trying to remember if I got, I, if I got that. I, I think so. I've, I love it. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if I did, but well, I <laughs> I'm sure there's other people out there who love it too. I know in the BYU. So I've got it. I got it from, it's a BYU speech and I just got it in their, you know, in their podcast to app in their podcast feature, but I'm sure you could find it online, but it's called of dead cats and dead people. How mm-hmm. we can save the world. And I listened to it again today because I have some notes from it, but I listened to it again today and was just like, I, I need to write this whole talk down. Like it's so powerful. She packs, I mean, it's a pretty short, short speech that she gives, but she packs so much good content into there. Mm-hmm. I think the general, um, idea and maybe you can add something if I miss something that you you appreciated but I just love um she gives a definition of a couple things and one of them she steals from someone else and I can't remember her name but from a TED talk called transgenerational thinking okay that thinks beyond one's own comfort and considers how actions ripple into the future long beyond an individual lifespan which goes back to what we were talking about Mm. like they're recording this. They don't know what the future's looking like, but they know mm-hmm. great urge to record these stories. Um, so I love that idea of thinking about how they can ripple into the future. Mm-hmm. And then she gives the term genealogical consciousness, which is very similar to that, but she calls it an ethic, a moral way of behaving based on seeing oneself and one's actions as inextricable linked with the past, present, and future people's lives and hopes. Mm. That's way packed with like, that's how her whole time. I know. I'm like, oh, I need to listen to <laughs> so this. much good stuff. Yeah. But just the, that idea of like, like her whole thing is that family history can save the world because as we grow connections with people from the past and thinking of people in the future that we gain this sense of, that we're all the same. It creates this oneness with, with the whole world, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, <laughs> and just like, I don't know it. Anyway, I listened to it again today and was like, Oh no, now I have to share everything from her talk. <laughs> you can just go, I know I need to go back and re-listen to it. I will link it in the show notes so people can oh, go and watch yes. it. But exactly. So I just, that was uh, just one of those first times for me listening to her describe um, that the power of, and I like this, I think, because she really focuses on the stories and knowing, and that's, that's where the power come from, comes from is as we 
get to really know the hearts of these people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Even when we know, sometimes there's barriers to, um, I guess there's barriers in the, in the past and history too, but sometimes we feel barriers when we're in conversations with people or you have things in your life that get in the way of real conversation. Like probably mm-hmm. we get together. It's like we have half conversations as we're with our kids, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but like you can really understand like my my grandma wouldn't have told me those things as her granddaughter when uh, right. <laughs> you know, I can read it later and feel that connection to her. So I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. yeah, I think it's so powerful and one thing that I love when thinking about all of this stuff, the genealogical consciousness and the transgenerational thinking and the ripple effect, I I think all of this is so powerful to me, but I love it from a parenting aspect. You know, I, my kids are really close in age to your kids. They're, my oldest is almost nine, but I think just how, how powerful this can be in raising children. And especially, you know, sometimes I let myself get really fearful about teenagers and thinking about all of the things that I did as a teenager and, (laughs) Just wondering how in the world I'm going to deal with it as the parent, you know? (laughs) But I think that there's just so much power in learning about the stories and helping our children to try to adopt this way of thinking and realizing that the whole world doesn't exactly revolve around them, you know? (laughs) So true that there's so much more to the world and Mm -hmm. before then. and And so... Yeah, I think this this can just be a really powerful thing for not only ourselves, but for, you know, using this as an opportunity to teach our children the stories of the people who have come before them. And, and I think it can be really powerful as they, you know, grow up and navigate in, in the world that they're living in. And hopefully it will help them to, yeah, I really do believe that there's just this strong link that can come when we when we learn about the past and look towards the future. So, yeah, we had a, we did a, I think this was in October. Um, yeah. Last October we had at the small seed, we had a family history month where we did mm-hmm. some articles and I should have pulled this up. Maybe I can send it to you and you could link this because we had a lot of good response from this article that was um, written by a pediatrician who had done a lot of research on um, the confidence and the, um, sense of belonging that comes when we tell stories to our kids about their, what do you call them? Do you call them the progenitors or their, you know, the people that came before them, their family, right. That it gives uh-huh. them such the sense of belonging and mm-hmm. of who they are. And that's one thing that I was inspired to do that I haven't done yet was just, you know, with my parents, just have them sit down and talk about their childhood with my kids and record it. Like here we have, Mm-hmm. opportunity that for us that have living like just for our kids um to have them talk and I would love to hear my parents stories too because you just don't sit down and talk about that stuff as much as you would. yeah I know I think that would be such a fun way to teach me and my kids and give them that thought but that was just a really powerful thought to me too of hey this this is something that gives us that sense of belonging and Amy Harris, her point is like, it get, it gives you a sense of belonging to the world that we're all kind of the same. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I totally agree. 
Awesome. Well, there's been, you have shared so many awesome tips. And I think I just, every time I do a, an interview, I think it's just so amazing how many different ways we can all incorporate family history into our lives. So I don't want anyone to feel overwhelmed because there are so many different ways that we can, you know, fit family history into our life. But I, I come away just feeling so inspired and thinking there are so many ways that I can do this and, and receive the blessings from it. So, yeah. In fact, I did that on our, on our podcast. We scare, we share like study tips. Uh Uh-huh. And that was the one that I just recorded was we share a lot of these tips, but let's not get overwhelmed and think, oh, I have to do all of these study things in one study. Like right. uh-huh. <laughs> months, all we want to do is just read straight through the Book of Mormon. Or maybe for two days, we want to read a chapter. And then the next day we're doing a study on charity or on these other things. But I think you take, I think it's the same with this is like you take um, what's fitting in with your life and even what's mm-hmm. you like, what sounds fun to me right now is like I said, that's my goal right now is to, um, record my own families. That's kind of what I'm passionate about right now is recording for my kids about our life. Mm-hmm. So letting them hear and letting me hear stories of, of people that came before, before me and understanding, you know, my grandparents and great grandparents more. So there's so many different ways. And that's, the, tr- the trick is, I mean, I can get overwhelmed with it too. I totally get that. Cause I'm like, Oh no, I don't really know how to index very well. And I need to have Jesse teach me all of these, <laughs> but you know, you just take it one step at a time and just do as much as you can. Yeah. And I think that goes back just the beauty of how we all are so unique and individual and you know, we're not expected to, there's not a checklist of you have to do all of these things to be qualified to do family history. It's right. You can be very creative in how you go about it. So I just wanted to end with, we talked a little bit about this earlier, but um, Elder Renlund's talk from this past conference, which was amazing and so good and filled with so many blessings and promises. No kidding. But I just think... I would love to hear some of your favorite takeaways from it. I think, you know, talking about raising children and um, and incorporating family history, you know, he lists so many promises that can come when we do family history, which I think are so powerful. But I'd love to hear what you, what takeaways you got from his latest talk. Well, like you said, it was funny because this is actually, I think I listened to it last week just randomly while I was out on a walk and I, it reminded me like, oh yeah, I'm doing this podcast. I'm so glad I listened to it. Cause I ended up, you know, tearing up from listening to the talk again. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just loved, I loved the story he shared about his patient and how that came around. And then his thoughts on, um, I, I loved the, what he told about Ezekiel. Maybe I'll just read that real quick. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. He says an earlier prophet also foresaw blessings for both the living and dead. A heavenly messenger so- showed Ezekiel a vision of a temple with water gushing out of it. Ezekiel was told these waters issue out and go down into the desert and go into the Dead Sea and the water shall be healed. And it shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth, whithersoever the river shall come, shall live. For they shall be healed and everything shall live whither the river cometh. This water, I just love thinking of like the blessings of, 
you know, Jesus Christ is the living water and these blessings pouring forth. But he says two characteristics of the water. First, though the small stream had no tributaries, it grew into a mighty river, becoming wider and deeper the further it flowed. And I think that tells us something like, yes, totally. These were small things that people that I, I, at least that's how I, I link it. I may be interpreting it wrong, but um, just the small things that they did turned into this mighty river. So the small, mm-hmm. like we talked about. Um, and then something similar happens with the blessings that flow from the temple as individuals are sealed as families. Um, and second, the river renewed everything that it touched. The blessings of the temple likewise have a stunning capacity to heal. And I think this is kind of what you and I were talking about real quick was those, all of the blessings that he says. um, And we've heard these before, right? That prophets, like there has been multiple apostles and prophets giving blessings of family history of how Mm -hmm. all of these amazing promises that were given when we are, you know, was it you, you were telling me earlier, was it Elder Bednar that said um, Mm -hmm. protection of our youth from pornography if you do family history, if you involve family history. Is that what well, yeah, he talks about just receiving power to, you know, against the adversary. Oh, okay. So I guess I just, so yeah, that would include <laughs> pornography definitely. too, because that comes from the adversary. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, you know, what the better protection do we want for our youth? And then I don't know, I probably don't need to read all these, but um, just all of those things like, Increased understanding of the Savior. These are all things that Elder Renlund's list. Increased mm-hmm. the Holy Ghost. Increased faith. Increased ability and motivation to learn to repent and an understanding of who we are and where we come from. Increased refining, sanctifying, and moderating influences in our hearts. Increased joy. Increased family blessings. Increased love and appreciation for our ancestors and living relatives so we no longer feel alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he tells all this list and that's, all, I feel like that's only the beginning. And he says, if you have prayed for any of these blessings, participate in family history and temple work as you do. So your prayers will be answered. That is very powerful. That one hit me hard this when I listened to it um, last week. So that gives me motivation too. So I'm glad that you had me on here so I could be reminded again of I know it's, it's always such a good reminder. And I love at the very end of Elder Renlund's talk, he quotes President Nelson, who says, we can be inspired all day long about temple and family history experiences others have had, but we must do something to actually experience the joy ourselves. And he just continues and says, I invite you to prayerfully consider what kind of sacrifice, preferably a sacrifice of time you can make to do more temple and family history work. And I think that's just a really good reminder is I, you know, every time I do an interview, like I said earlier, I'm always left feeling inspired and reminded of how amazing family history work is. But just like President Nelson says, we have to do something about it. We can't just say that was really awesome and then go about our day. So. That's so true. <laughs> yes, this is a good, so, yeah. good reminder for me too. So thank you for Yeah. Thank you so much, Krista, for coming on. You are just such a wonderful example to me. So thank you again for sharing your insight. (laughs) Yes, of course. Thanks for letting me. You guys, thanks so much for being here. It means the world to me to be able to share my passion for family history with all of you. 
If you haven't done so yet, feel free to leave me a review on iTunes. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Miss Genealogy. If you want to shoot me an email, you can do that at missgenealogy.jessie, J-E-S-S-I-E, at gmail.com. I'd love to hear how you are getting fired up about family history work. See you next week.